0: but I don't want to. An Anxiety Happy Hour is three adults with anxiety talking about mental health and other sensitive topics. Listener discretion is advised.
1: boyfriend
2: that dinner was on the stove and not to bother me because i was in the room podcasting and i accidentally killed the app <laughs> <laughs> proud
3: of you i'm proud of you uh, i'll just bring it up on here i think i can do it where i can like share a screen and then make it where we can listen together
2: as a family oh
3: why why <laughs> do you do that face Brittany? you don't want to be my family
0: i don't Have think that's fuck. what i did that face at We could all like sit around in our pajamas and just be like, oh my god, guys suck. It'll be great. We made you more content.
3: (laughs) So welcome to the interview of, but I don't want to, an
0: anxiety happy hour. An anxiety happy hour for sure.
3: Or as I like to call it. Ah! While you two were doing who knows what. I can't keep track of you.
0: I
2: interviewed. What was that? You don't want to know. I don't want to know. I mean, now I kind of want to know.
0: I mean, we want to know, but, like, we only want to know when it's time for that episode.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was conducting an interview of a fellow murderino. Her name is Sarah. She was telling me all about all kinds of fun things. And I hear, even though it's months later, neither of you have listened to it. So we're going to take a brief pause and listen to it together so that you can know what we're talking about.
0: months it's been
3: I months
0: mean, i think it has been months when did i, I, I record it months. like it might be on the cusp of a second month but i don't think we could say like months yeah okay well weeks you sound like we're like derelict in our duties that we're negligent i mean i i, I,
3: that's to be right, I, I,
0: I, I did listen i listened you
3: listened Proud of you. but
0: it was like it was a while ago
3: <laughs> been a long time Please listen to this ad placement while I get reacquainted with procrastination, my only constant companion. Welcome to our very first episode of But I Don't Want To, an anxiety happy hour, the interview portion, in order to not overwhelm our guest. We would do one-on-one interviews rather than all three hosts against a single person. That sounded like a lot. So today you only have Beamer. Bunsen and Britt are going to be listening. We might add commentary before or after. But for now, it is just me and my lovely guest, Sarah. She has joined us. I'll do the preliminary scream to start us out, which is... ah! (laughs) Sarah, tell us about what your anxiety is.
1: So I have general anxiety disorder or GAD and medical post-traumatic stress disorder.
3: Okay. I don't have PTSD. So that was one of the reasons that we thought it would be a good idea to have you come on this. I I forgive Bob. Bob feels, hold on one second. Bob, stop (laughs) that. Please Trying to record. That's my dog. He's very cute. Hold on one second.
1: Oh, look at the dog. Uh, Bob. (laughs)
3: Usually I have my microphone on with like noise cancelling. And so it's a little less of an issue. So we brought you on today because we do not have PTSD of the many different anxieties that we have. I also have a general anxiety disorder. We're still working out exactly how I should be medicated with my therapist, my psychiatrist, but I don't have PTSD. And so I thought that our interviews should showcase things that we can't speak on, which is why, why we brought you in. What? What are your top three triggers or do you have general triggers?
1: So I was diagnosed with leukemia 32 years ago uh, when I was five and during that So from kindergarten to third grade, I was undergoing three different, no, sorry, eight different types of chemotherapy, steroids, spinal taps, bone marrow biopsies, and blood tests. And the spinal tap is a very long, sorry, Teddy, (laughs) very long needle, about 14 inches long that goes into your lumbar region to check for leukemia cells that might be hidden in the spinal fluid. So I had 22 of those. And today they put kids under for those. Back in the early 90s, they did not. So they would leave this 14-inch needle in your back for about five minutes while your spinal fluid drips into a tube. In when I was in the 90s, were wild. Yeah. It's just like. You don't need anesthetics or you'll be
3: fine. It's just a little trauma.
1: When I was getting my epidural, when I was in labor, I was having a major flashback and I almost called out for my mother. Like I felt myself calling out for my mother, even though my husband was in the room.
3: And would your mother have answered the call if she had heard you? Probably. Probably. Probably.
1: <laughs> My mother is
3: a little witchy, and there was a time in college that I was a mile away from her, and I was sick, and I called out for her in the middle of the night, and she called me on the phone, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> I woke up from a dead sleep wow. hearing you call me.
1: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the triggering is very episodic i would say oh! little
3: one agrees <laughs> y'all can't see it but there's a little one on screen as well <laughs> when you have these episodic moments that trigger you what type of reactions do you typically have with gad or with ptsd
1: it's a lot of it's crying or yelling and screaming my poor husband has gotten the many of those blows before and it wasn't directed at him and I'm trying to work on this so that i don't blow up on him
3: in the future. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. <laughs> Are you working with a therapist or a psychiatrist? I work with a psychiatrist. Um, I am on, I've been on Zoloft since 2015, which has helped a lot. Good. And then I'm on
3: Lexapro no, at the moment. Okay. We're seeing how that goes.
1: I was working with a trauma specialist uh, in 2019, a couple months before I got married. And then I was continued working with her up until the pandemic started. And then all that stuff kind of fell apart. Do
3: you do virtual sessions now?
1: I do virtual sessions. Uh, With the psychiatrist, I just kind of talk to her about what's going on and try to figure out strategies to better help in the situation the next time.
3: Okay. When you were diagnosed, you said age five Mm -hmm. with leukemia. Do you still have leukemia or are you in remission?
1: I've been in remission since 1993. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you.
3: Good track record so far. Knock on wood. Let's hope it keeps happening. When do you think the PTSD started?
1: Was it right
3: after remission? Was it before remission?
1: It wasn't, I wasn't officially diagnosed until 2019. So it could have been going on since. I was diagnosed but there was no like my generation is the first generation of like long term childhood cancer survivors so nobody really thought how it might affect us in the future they just thought of us they just wanted us to get well and stay well we also wanted you to get well and stay well so I get it but I think there's more there's more awareness of it now and there's more research going into what can happen to these kids as they get as they grow into adults like what's their psychosocial emotional issues are there physical issues issues are there academic issues stuff like that
3: are you in any kind of group relief of other people that know what you're going through
1: i have three friends who were we were all diagnosed as children you're very similar to their
3: experiences or your experience fairly different?
1: I think our experiences are different. My good friend, we were both treated at the same hospital. Our, even though we both had the same diagnosis, she had more radiation than I did. And uh, her experience is way different from mine. And my two other friends both had brain tumors. So their experiences were way different than mine. Yeah, brain tumors
3: involve I assume they were put under or no.
1: They had radiation. I don't. And then one of them recently had surgery to remove a tumor from her brain. Okay. Uh, that was, that's been sitting there for a while since she was a kid.
3: Oof, not something you want.
1: Yeah. So yeah, our, our experiences are all different.
3: How, how much of your leukemia is considered genetic? Where are, do you have concerns about little one on your lap there?
1: It's weird because my, I have a cousin who was diagnosed with lymphoma when she was 16. And that's a, leukemia is a cancer of the white blood cells. Uh, Lymphoma is a cancer of the red blood cells. So it was just weird. Like I was diagnosed at five and then like 30 years later, I have a cousin that was diagnosed at with 16, with, with, a blood, with also with a blood cancer. But there's no history of it in our family that I know of on either side, of um, either my dad's or my mom's side. For
3: those of us that are ignorant, like myself, what is the difference between red blood cells and white blood cells?
1: If you know. Um, the red blood cells carry oxygen for the blood, and the white blood cells are in charge of defending your body against disease. Okay,
3: so leukemia sort of makes it... Worse. Where you have less defenses and more susceptible to right. other diseases. Okay. Uh, did you have a lot of issues with people or with other sicknesses coming when you were a child or did they bubble you?
1: I had a really, the year after I finished treatment, I had a really bad case of pneumonia, but I haven't been really sick since then. Okay. Like I got COVID a week before I gave birth to him. Oh man. But I hadn't had it in the beginning. I never had it in the beginning, even before all the vaccines came out. I'd never had it. And I was working with adults with intellectual disabilities in a group home at the time and no one ever got it. So it was very strange. COVID (laughs) is
3: sneaky. Knock on wood. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm hoping to remain that way
1: but like i just had the sniffles and i was throwing up congestion like it wasn't too too bad and the placenta protected him so tell and me a little
3: bit about your daily life living with gad and ptsd
1: before i went on the before i went on the zoloft i like i thought i was i thought i had you know i thought i was pretty chill person but then once i graduated from college and starting to tr- and going out into the workforce i felt like there were If I didn't know how to do something, like if somebody told me something one time and I didn't know how to do it, I felt very anxious because I'm like, oh, I don't know this, like I'm gonna lose my job, yada yada yada, because I have learning disabilities from the chemotherapy so i need time to process information more and i thought they that these people would fire me if i didn't know how to process that information right away things like that or if something you came ever up find on...
3: that that was justified that that was the case
1: no they were they're like oh yeah no don't worry ask questions all the time that you ask all the questions you need like it. this this stuff takes time to learn there's a learning curve here
3: okay
1: yeah so and, if, heard... and if
3: you don't mind sharing what type of profession do you do
1: i had worked with um adults with intellectual disabilities for about 10 years and then i was hired as an aide at a special ed school for the 2020 school year okay and, uh, so are
3: you kind of like a, a teacher or
1: um i'm an aide so an aide well,
3: i don't know what an aide does tell me things
1: so i'm in the classroom helping the kids helping the teacher oh okay yeah sounds important <laughs> yeah so we're just an assist uh, an assistant to the teacher in the classroom okay Beautiful. Towards the end of the school year, found out I was pregnant with him, so just kind of took a break and uh, stay at home, stay home mom for now. Sounds good.
3: I also find that my anxiety was increased when I no longer had the structure of a school system, because school system you have assignments, you have classes, there's a lot of pens that you go towards. And my my therapist and I talk a lot about creating my own pens and being able to make landmarks to get to in order to reduce my anxiety. And when I had to do those myself, it was a a very different life and it was very much an increase in my imposter syndrome and my concern that I wouldn't be able to do it on my own because if you, if you fail a class, even that has structure there, there's what you do in case of failure, you might have to retake the class. Maybe you have to take a different credit. Failing isn't the end where I think when you're in real life, it sort of feels like the end, Right. what do I do? What, what's the protocol if this doesn't work out? Since you got diagnosed in 2019, you said?
1: With PTSD, yep.
3: When did you meet your husband?
1: I met my husband in 2016.
3: 2016. So he's sort of been there in the identifying process. Right, But I think your whole relationship, probably he's been there for the actual effects. Yes. Do you have any insight on how he deals with it? Is he, does he deal with it or does he just sort of give you space to deal with it?
1: Um, Well, every time, like I have an episode, I always apologize. And it's like, it wasn't directed towards you. And he's like, I know, like, it's okay. Like he, and he gives me space to, to deal with it. But I think he's very, he's had a very calming effect on me and like he's very laid back and I think that's helped he's definitely helped me become a less anxious person do
3: you ever do couples therapy
1: we've never done couples therapy but like he's very supportive like I told him I was a cancer survivor on our second date and he's never uh, he hasn't rejected me since then so have
3: you had dating experience where you've revealed that to somebody and they've taken issue with it
1: they don't. They didn't take it issue. They didn't take issue with it to my face. They just ghosted me. Oh, that's.
3: I mean, yeah. it's a it's a heavy thing. I yeah. am definitely an oversharer when it comes to dating because I want you to know all the ugly truths so that you're forced into a corner. Are there other things that that I don't have the right questions to ask? <laughs> Tell me all the dirty. <laughs> Let's pretend we're on a date. Tell me all the dirty. How 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 did you approach it with your husband?
1: Well, he first he first saw an anxiety attack like when we were in Starbucks. We were getting ready to go to trivia uh, bar trivia and something was happening with my phone. I don't know what it was, but Something was happening, and it was completely irrationalized. Anxiety is, and my brain is like, Oh, you're gonna have to get a new phone, you're gonna cost you money, blah 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 blah. blah." And it was just, he was trying to calm me down. And like, because we were in Starbucks, we were in public, and I was like, Oh, people are watching me, I'm having issues with my phone, my boyfriend's like trying to calm me down like
3: second date he was already your boyfriend
1: <laughs> well you no quick. a few months in <laughs> oh, okay yeah. that was the first we were had been dating for like three, three or four months by then and that was the first time he witnessed me having an anxiety attack
3: how often are your anxiety attacks
1: they're they're few and far between now um with the medication and with like deep breathing exercises and meditation and stuff and, and I before think before you it, were
3: able to get the right medication and regulate that a little bit how often were they happening
1: like every couple of days Oof. Yeah. yeah that can that can tear on you for sure stuff put goes into perspective for you like once on my job a coworker asked if I was retarded Oof. and I had I was having anxiety from that and at that point I'm like you know what I'm just that's this is this is dumb I shouldn't be offended by this like there's no point in being offended by everything all time. So that put things into perspective for me. The pandemic really put things into perspective for
3: me. How did the pandemic
1: affect you? So I worked at a day program. The day program shut down. We had the choice of either taking unpaid leave or working in the group homes with our clients. And I chose to work in the group homes. Like we, my husband and I had been married for two months, three months when all this started. I said, you know what? We're going to need money. I'm going to work in the group homes. And he's like, okay, are you sure about that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And it's funny. My mother, I called my mother and told her about it. She's like, so Dave, let you work outside the home. I'm like, hey, grandma, I think the fifties are calling. You sound just like grandma. Like what is happening? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go work in the group homes. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And I called my oncologist and I asked her, she thought that was a good idea. And they're like, you are, she's like, you are not, you are at the same risk of getting COVID as someone who didn't have cancer. So you should be fine. Okay. So that put me at ease more. And it's like, it's like the pan. It's like COVID was basically saying like, you've been here before. You've had illness illnesses before. Like I'm here. Like you just have to deal. Okay. <laughs> so I just did. So
3: what in your present day are you more susceptible to because you had leukemia?
1: It's hard to say. Um, they don't really know. Um, I was supposedly more at risk for cataracts by the time I was 25 I had never had that I was at a higher risk for arthritis by the time I turned 30 I'm 38 still hasn't happened so they just don't know i was more susceptible to covid so i got the vaccine early but i never got it until i was pregnant with him so
3: oh man Maybe. <laughs> the does that mean that he sort of has the i'm so good at science the antibodies or something has, for, for covid
1: yeah he has antibodies so he has like because i got the one johnson and johnson shot i never got any of the other shots when i was pregnant so he's he's covered he's
3: good job super yeah. baby <laughs> then we'll move on to how you think anxiety has helped you if it's helped you
1: it'll probably help me in the future with him like your mom like you called out your mom's name and she called you like immediately that'll probably happen <laughs> with me I'm like my mom anxiety triggers will go off and I'm like what's this one doing it's too quiet what's <laughs> happening? or if I get a call from the Boston police I'm gonna be like oh okay <laughs> what did he do do you feel
3: that you have the ability to recognize symptoms for your son since you have had PTSD, or you have ptsd that you have gad do you think you would be able to recognize those symptoms as he grows up if he has it
1: i think so yeah like heavy breathing hopefully he won't have any ptsd that's what i'm hoping he won't have to have any experiences that cause him to have ptsd Ah. Uh, You're okay, sweetie. You're okay. Yeah, I think I'll be able to recognize it. Like I said, hopefully he won't have experiences that cause him to be anxious as he grows
3: projection do you think that you'll do? Because I I tend to project my own issues onto other people sometimes.
1: I'm trying to get better at that. Trying to be more laid back and not focus on. It's very
3: hard for an anxious person to be laid back. I get it. Yeah.
1: When I would take the, like we live in Boston, so I take the, and I don't drive. So we take public transit everywhere. And like there would be days where I would have, I had been attacked by a client and I like had like some kind of injury from work and I had trouble getting off the train and people would just like push me, like push me to get out of the train. And I'm like, dude, do you see me limping? It's like stuff like that. I'm just trying to get better at like ignoring.
3: I also take (laughs) some, some public transit. I'm a blue line girl myself. And I tend to try and find the least occupied car and all of that so that I can give myself the space to be able to do things.
1: Yeah, that's what I try to do. I try to find the least occupied car, sit at the end of the seats, not in the middle, and then sit near the door. But like during the winter of 2015 was terrible, and that caused a lot of issues.
3: What would be your ideal situation? Hmm.
1: When I was very young, like a pre-PPS young lady, I was I had a lot of self-hatred and didn't, like, why did I have this illness? Blah, blah, blah. Um, wishing I didn't have it. And now, I'm kind of glad I did have cancer, I'm not glad I had the anxiety that came along with it. But I think I'm I'm glad that I did have it because I don't know what my life, I don't know how the person I would be if I didn't have it. Hey, you know, I don't our, think I would be, trauma shaped us. Yeah, I don't think I would be as compassionate of a person. But you've got a real compassionate mama with you. <laughs>
3: well thank you so much for being our very first guest.
1: Of course.
3: Thank you for um, having me. Uh, we are glad to have you.
1: am glad we were able to reach out through the uh Maslow murderinos. <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah, for sure. A big thank you to Sarah for being our first ever interviewed. Now, please hold
1: while we all gather our notes and discuss. may I just say I really enjoyed watching Brittany's face as she listened
0: <laughs> I didn't yeah I was gonna say I first I didn't have it pulled up I couldn't see Brittany it was just the uh the picture of the screen this is what I get for using my uh my phone here but well
3: if it makes you feel better we couldn't see you either because you have a blurred background and you were tilted far be- enough back that you were the background
0: I'm the background that's intense right to have a life or death situation as a child and to have all these effects that you have no control over for the rest of your life
3: true but on a micro scale isn't that true of any of our traumas
0: maybe but the fact that she's sitting there worried can I go you know work a normal job and not have people you know judge me for you know having a bit of difficulty with uptake on information and things like that like that's that just it hurts my heart
3: Does hurt my heart. Is there a way as a society, if we could just, you know, become tyrants and make society how we want it to be, what would we do to change it so that situations are easier for people like that, that have those childhood traumas that are affecting their day-to-day life?
0: Are we advocating for tyrannical compassion? Constantly.
2: (laughs) I don't know that, I don't know that there's going to be a good answer for that. Right, because ideally they would have never gone through that to begin with, and you never know what's going to trigger them. Right, like are they going to see a dum dum and yeah. think of the nurse that gave them a piece of candy after they'd thrown up their guts all day after chemo? Like, you know what I mean? Like, anything- I want you. I want you to know you said dum dum, and
3: I immediately thought they saw a dumb person. <laughs> <laughs> No. I was like, they see a dumb dumb, it triggers them. And I was like, I mean, stupid people trigger me too. I get that.
0: Oh, man. I mean, clearly, we're, we're not talking about that. Right. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. I'm with you, Brittany. Like, clearly, the best option is like nobody's sick ever, but that's not an option. Right. Like, this is just a fact of life. Terrible, shitty things will happen. Um, But it just, when this is all that you've known effectively, like you've just had to grow up with this. And, you know, it's got to feel a little unfair, right? Uh, I think one way
3: that we could work on it is post-treatment care mentally. Because I think that there's minimal of that. I think they're doing better, perhaps. But certainly one of the biggest things while Lucas was in the hospital was his major feelings of depression. And a light in his life was there was this one young, I guess, technically a doctor. He was still doing the the residency stuff. So he wasn't on his own doctor, wasn't settled in his final job doctor. But he used to, before his shift every day, come in in the morning and just sit and, and talk with Lucas. Because, you know, he, he was going through a time. He smuggled Bob in to, to go see him. <laughs> I think he filled out the proper paperwork so Bob could go in legally. But I like to think
0: (laughs) he smuggled
3: him in. Yeah,
0: Bob the therapy dog.
3: But that was Um, that was the exception, not the rule. That was not something that was that was common after treatment or any of that. There were many times in the hospital that he had issues with people not responding to the beeps on his machine right away and. You're just sitting there for like 15, 20 minutes of it just beeping because they know why it's going off. It's, you know, ran out of whatever and they just have a lot going on and didn't prioritize it, which I get, but it can certainly be a bummer <laughs> to be sitting there while it's beeping. And there were a couple of times that he called because he needed to use the restroom. And they didn't get there in time. So I think that there's not as much. Care as there is medical care in hospitals at least
2: yeah maybe burnout because i feel like people who get into that career aren't just heartless right like they yeah get into it because they care so i mean all or the issues i saw was
3: just not enough staff because if you had more staff there wouldn't be the i have to prioritize this over that
2: i thought it was unexpected how she said that she used to get ghosted a lot i wouldn't have expected that oh i don't doubt that People don't want
0: baggage. (laughs) And people will ghost over just about anything, uh, you know, or nothing. You have to wonder, are are they thinking like, oh, well, long term, you know, clearly she's, you know, she's broken or diseased or something like, like, you don't know. And when it comes to, like, am I going to pass lung's genetic defect? I mean, you know, we don't know if this leukemia was something genetic. Like, we didn't, I I don't think she really talked about that. It could be could not be but i'm sure things like that run through people's heads i know actually and we'll talk about this or i won't talk about this we won't talk about this but our next interview will talk about their sort of thought process a little bit when they made some decisions um regarding genetic health and it wasn't even their own just that they might have had a gene so it's intense to think about that right something you can't change about yourself being you know, a potential problem going forward. I'll tell you, even as a parent, you know, thinking about allergies or thinking about ADHD, you know, again, things that may not be genetic whatsoever. I was like, Oh, I hope my kids don't have this. Guess what? Guess what they do. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> I,
3: yeah, I mean, there's... one of the reasons I don't want to have my own children is for fear of passing on some of the things I see that are in my family that are unbalanced emotionally and if if my child's gonna be messed up i want them to have done it all on their own i don't want it to be my fault
0: (laughs) the sad part is it's like um it's still your fault you know nature versus nurture right
3: yeah but at least then maybe i could correct my behavior to try and help the situation i can't correct that you're sad all the time because depression runs in my family. I can't correct if you are a little manic because people <laughs> in my family are <laughs> like so so I I would rather deal with the issues you came with that I did not create in DNA.
0: That's fair. But yeah, I mean that's that is sort of the cruelty of this, right? Here's this really sweet person, you know, doing her thing, living her life. But that was you know no fault of her own ends up with this terrible thing so yeah it's 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 sad and it's disheartening to think that people you know would choose to interact with her like that
3: Bob and that baby were having a day and they kept disrupting <laughs> us and I was like,
2: oh, Bob stop being a bad puppy <laughs> when Bob, the baby makes, when the baby makes its first appearance it sounds like a goat
0: it does I, I was I couldn't ah. unmute myself fast enough to agree with you there, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just it a really little kid. Really.
0: It was yeah, exactly. <laughs> goats are little that's what they call baby goats, kids.
2: <laughs> I did have something I wanted to ask y'all. She mentioned that sometimes her anxiety attacks include like screaming. And I thought that was interesting because I don't really feel like we've talked about that much. But what about you guys? Does it just depend on the trigger or? I am not a frequent
3: screamer. I talk to my therapist and she says, I don't have panic attacks, because panic attacks sort of scared of the next time that it's going to happen type deal. Mm -hmm. And so your panic about the panic creates a panic. And that's not really what I have. I do have mild anxiety attacks, but I, I tend to just shut down. But I do know people who are more actively involved physically, for example, my niece, my niece, when she has an anxiety attack, she gets physical reactions, and there is crying, and there is lashing out, there is sometimes vomit, as we learned in the travel episode. So I think that it manifests differently in different people, but it's sort of a loss of control. When I lose control, I just shut down and back way, but that's not true for everybody.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the DSM, like I don't refer to it on a regular basis, because, I mean, who really, I I don't think I need to pay for a copy of the DSM. That said... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I know that um, obviously there's generalized anxiety disorder, which I think Beamer, you and I are both like firmly in that category. But I I mean, you could certainly have episodes with that where you're at a higher elevated state of anxiety. When it comes to panic, that's that sort of acute, in-the-moment, uncontrollable type of response and and I don't know the official classification but I can tell you that when I have had panic attacks, and I don't get them on a regular basis, thank goodness but on the occasions when I had panic attack, it was just an impending feeling of doom. Yeah, it was like, I felt like I was going to die.
3: And she has that ice cream twist of the PTSD and we know from yeah. pop culture that when people have reactions on ptsd with like fireworks and stuff immediately mm-hmm. back in the war zone type thing so i could see how if you mix a general anxiety disorder with ptsd you're going to have especially something like having a needle put in your back uh, that would mm-hmm. make me scream
0: i mean i think that is a reasonable thing to make anybody scream
2: yeah would not want
0: yet another reason to not have babies <laughs>
2: You had two. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck, Bunsen? Bunsen? What
0: the fuck, Bunsen? I didn't realize what it was going to look like for somebody to have an epidural, and then when I saw it, it was my job to not freak the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> poor you
3: poor I, you bunsen having to maintain with the
0: composure when someone else gets stuck was, with a needle well listen i wasn't the one with the catheter sticking out of my back i was like what the fuck you know you just you literally just have to be oh you know, i'm trying to be supportive like everything's fine it's just fine everything's great <laughs> it was not fine it was not great <laughs> oh good times so this was, but I don't want to, an anxiety happy hour.
3: Or as I like to call it, an anxiety happy hour. Or, or Now to roll the credits.
0: Big thanks to Sam Rochford for her use of the song Pedals. You can listen to the full version on Spotify, Apple Music, or any of those other places that you find music. If you want to connect with her and you're secretly 83 years old, like me, her Facebook page is called Sam Rochford Music. And if you're hip and cool, her TikTok is... Boring sad music.
3: Do you like our logo? It was done by friend of the pod and artist extraordinaire, The Ramble Pies. Her Instagram and TikTok are at The.Ramble.Pies. Don't know what you want, but want some art? Her Etsy is The Rambling Merchant. Now that's all one word. She does do commissioned works if you have something in mind.
0: You can reach us at
3: linktree slash anxiety happy hour
0: on instagram at an anxiety happy hour
3: on facebook at an anxiety happy hour
0: on youtube at but i don't want to an anxiety happy hour
3: on twitter at anxiety H pod because apparently
0: there's character limitations thanks elon on tiktok at an anxiety happy hour
3: or email us at an anxiety happy hour at
0: gmail.com this has been a Be Anxious production. This is not unusual for podcasts to take breaks in periods of time. I mean, we have life and everything, and I've been trying to be a hoe unsuccessfully, and it's just been taking up <laughs> way too much time. So I got to get that taken care of, and then I can get back to focusing on what matters. If-
2: One brain at a time. <laughs> i gotta say
3: i've missed y'all on my vacation
0: i know right i've missed y'all we never need to be apart again we need to just like
3: never again. never (laughs) we're making a tri-codependency right now (laughs) oh my gosh no
0: (laughs) no imagine we do all move in together and then your boy tries to bring a lady to the house fuck it's gonna be a terrible experience for her isn't it you two are gonna be no no, no
3: you're going to have a terrible experience because she's gonna want to <laughs> be our best friend and then she's <laughs> no longer interested in sleeping with you she just wants to hang out and watch movies with britney and i mm.
0: i mean i, I want to watch movies with britney and you too so that's fine but like
3: <laughs> we'll, we're gonna steal all your girlfriends
0: <laughs> yeah. Well you two little taylor Swifties.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh nobody at my work has listened to the new albums and it's depressing because I just want to talk about them with people and I don't have anyone at work to talk about them with. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to
0: the wall about it. <laughs> she's got some thoughts, man. I can't wait to listen to this whole thing. It's so good. Do we, she, is, she
3: always has that little unhinged it, that I'm into.
0: Should we listen to the album prior to the sex episode? <laughs>